Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media. Welcome back to Inside the Game, brought to you by Raider Media, the special Dakar Rally edition. Welcome back. Derek Albert's here, and you know I've experienced plenty of Dakar rallies. Uh, I reckon this, uh, yeah, not reckon, I know for a fact, this is number six that I've been to, so there have been plenty. Uh, first time, of course, in Saudi Arabia, the rest are all in South America. Plenty of memories made. I've enjoyed so many adventures along the way, but today was uh, undoubtedly top three. Um, of my experiences at the Dakar Rally and it was courtesy of one man Hannes Fisser who's joining us tonight uh, he's been AWOL for the last couple of nights uh, a very tired man <laughs> after driving uh, countless kilometers uh, we've also got Morris D'Souza once again and we do have the one the only Graham Duxbury welcome gents Hannes firstly tell us what you did no actually I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to let you tell us I'm going to leave it to the other two gents first and foremost Dax let's start with you Talk us through what happened today. Well, I went to watch uh, the, the, the event from the most fantastic place in between a, a rocky gully with huge mountains, beautiful mountains. Watched all of that. All of our cars came through. Then I went back to where you guys were, and there was Hannes Fisser brying chicken. It was possibly the best chicken bry I've ever had in my entire life. So I can tell you something that he certainly knows how to bry. That was probably the highlight of the day. I couldn't believe it. You were standing in the middle of absolutely nowhere, <laughs> watching cars and trucks go by, and getting this whiff of this absolutely amazing smell of chicken on a braai in the middle of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> Unless you just stop, man. <laughs> yeah, this is the fourth Dakar that I've done with Hannes, and I know he's a man who loves to brine. And Hannes, we haven't always got it right. Well, when I say we, you haven't, because you've struggled to find a venue, you've struggled to find the right ingredients. Um, and we've had some great ones in the past on the few that we have, but today you ticked every single box and then some. Well, there you go. We've tried many times before. As you know, um, it was a mission of mine in Lima and Peru for the last two years to buy on, 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 on the roof or the, on, to, on top of the hotel. Um, <laughs> we managed to find an actual braai once. I think it was a little 400 rand braai that we bought. Uh, we even got the charcoal and what looked like decent meat back then, but uh, the hotel wouldn't, wouldn't have any of it, so uh, we weren't allowed to do it. We finally managed to get a braai. The reason for the success was the fact that Saudi is actually better equipped than what I thought. I mean, the other morning when we filled up the cars, I saw that there were bundles of wood in the corner, and I proceeded to go and buy them, and that's what we used today. And initially I thought, mm, this isn't quite Bushveld Mupani, but I was quite surprised. They lasted pretty decently, and uh, yeah, we managed to get a good chicken going. Yeah, I, I've been amazed at what <laughs> Saudi Arabia has managed to deliver. I, I think it gets a, a very bad rap uh, outside of the borders, but I've been blown away. It's been so, so good. The way we've been looked after and what we've able to, to access. And, I mean, where are we speaking to you now? I know we touched on it last night. The Royal Tulip uh, here in Neom. I mean, this is a, is a postcard, Dax. Yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic hotel. But, you know, even when you're not in a great hotel like this and you're just on the side of the road, the food, the quality of the food, the freshness of the food, whether it be breakfast, lunch, or dinner, has been unbelievable. Very, very different from anything that I, that I experienced. Well, when was it? Two days ago, when we, uh, the previous hotel, we were in where? Uh, Awaj. Uh, Awaj. 
when we walked across the street from the hotel, we got a, uh, it really, it wasn't the best looking pizza place, but the pizzas were fine. They were absolutely, well, and he, people friendly. Yes, he, ma- he made his own dough in front of us and then yeah. he made us eight pizzas. I yeah. mean, it was really, really uh, very different from what we've uh, expected. I, uh, Ducks was first to experience the hotel yesterday, the one that we currently, and luckily we, were, we stayed here for two nights. And, and you came back to the bivouac and we hadn't seen it yet. And, and you got there and you said, my goodness, this place is magnificent. Uh, my room's big enough to play bocce in. I've got the view of the sea. <laughs> God, I love luxury. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid, yes, I do. <laughs> and you did say that. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I'm not so sure about tomorrow night's hotel. We're staying in a very small town. And um, so I'm a, little, I'm a little more concerned about tomorrow night. There's Ducks, always we, a do have little, we do have little tents as a backup. So uh, if you're not happy with the hotel, you're welcome to grab my tent and sleeping bag. At five degrees centigrade, I'd rather sleep in my Fortuna, thank you, with the engine <laughs> running in the heat on. Man, it gets cold, yeah. The other uh, way we manage to pass the time uh, while we are waiting for the cars to come past out in the desert is, is bocce, which is a, a very well-known game back home. Uh, we've managed to give it a new term over here. We actually went through a countless uh, number of names. Yes. Eventually, Valdi van der Waal came up with the name Waypoint, but then... Given the fact that Hannes prepared such a magnificent chicken for us, we allowed Hannes to give it naming rights. What did you come up with at the end? Uh, I can't remember. Was it stage ball? Stage, stage ball. ball. That's right. Yes, because yeah. we played while we were on the stages. And today we saw stage three of uh, the 2020 Dakar Rally. It, it stayed in Neom, uh, thankfully for us, because it meant that we didn't have to do too much traveling. Uh, about 400 kilometers. They did go to altitude. And I say altitude in inverted commas because while well, we, we touched on this last night, I mean, Hannes, uh, it's anything but altitude if you compare what they've experienced uh, over in South America. Yeah, it's, I think it was up to 1,400, 1,500 meters. I mean, we also drove up the mountain. Beautiful, beautiful scenery, I must say. Uh, but 1,500 meters, I mean, it's the same as Joburg, so it's not really much altitude to worry about. But even so, in the thick sand and at that little altitude, I'm sure that you agree that we could see how uh, the, um, the big petrol V8s were just struggling a little bit, you know, breathing through smaller air restrictors than the turbo diesel. So I think that played a little role, but, but not nearly as much as it used to do at 5,000 meters in Peru. No, absolutely. Um, we were standing, it was a, they came out of a sort of an opening, and you could hear the cars flat out, but the moment they started climbing in slightly loose, loose sand, um, you could hear that. The uh, V8s were struggling a little bit more than, than the turbos, the turbo diesels. But then we weren't standing on the other side at the top of the hill looking down. And I believe the um, our colleagues were saying that those V8s were chewing up that the, 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 the uphill into the dunes with absolute ease. Yeah, I think, I think it's very difficult to receive. But overall, you know, if you look at the results as they stand right now, yeah. it was a stage that I think suited the minis possibly more... Than the uh, than the Toyotas at this point in time. There's there's not a lot in it, but yeah. it just seems to be they have a little bit of an edge at the present moment. Yeah. So the opposition, as opposed to Toyota Gazoo Racing, uh, the Hiluxes, Glenn Hall did mention prior that they would be at an, a disadvantage going into yeah. today's stage because of the apparent altitude going to that 1,400 meters. But that being said. Uh, despite the fact that they were at a disadvantage, they did extremely well. Um, you had uh, Nasser Latia coming home in second place alongside Mathieu Bommel. And in doing so, um, the overall standings, he sits at second uh, and just under five minutes behind Carlos Sainz. So he would have been extremely happy with his position today. And I know Glenn sang his praises yesterday, 
think even more so today, Dax. Yes, absolutely. I think he had a fantastic day today. Look, I mean, we all said that NASA was going to win. I think, to be honest with you, we thought he would have a bigger lead than he has at the present moment, but he has a, had a miserable day yesterday with punctures and lost a lot of time, or else he would have been further ahead. Look, you know, it's three days in. We've had Janil, who won yesterday and was nowhere today. So it's very, very different. If, if I can just bring in... You know, some of the best Formula One races are when there's no practice on Saturday and they do qualifying on Saturday, Sunday morning. True. Or it rains and there's the grids mixed up. Now, this Dakar is very different to any of the others because, first of all, people don't, uh, don't know the terrain. They don't know if it's rocky. They don't know whether they should be using soft, medium or hard tires. Um, they don't know what tire pressures are going to be ideal for it. And so they're also getting the, the, the road books only 15 minutes before, which changes the entire way in which the navigators are doing it, which is almost like, as I said, a, a Formula One Grand Prix where you've got qualifying on Sunday morning, the race in the afternoon, with no practice on Saturday. So you're seeing huge swings of success and failure. And as I said, we're three days into it with another, what is it, 10 days to go. Yeah. Uh, anything is possible. Dax, just to add to that, especially because it's such early days, you know, um, there's big swings. So it's, uh, it's not the same person who's won every single stage. So even though Janil might lose, say, 10 or 15 minutes to the leader on the day, it's a different leader from yesterday. So it will take another two or three days before the leaderboard starts meaning something. As long as uh, the guys can stay in touch for now, uh, compared to the overall leader, I think we're still in very good shape. Yeah, I think, uh, um, if I'm not mistaken... NASA moved up from third to second. Is that right? I, am I correct? Because he is indeed he's, second. He's, yeah, he's, he's four minutes and fifty-five yeah. seconds behind Carlos Sainz. And he was third yesterday, last night. If I'm, am I correct? Correct, correct. Yeah. You know, I, I, we've just touched on Fernando Alonso. That uh, obviously the world is looking at to see what what he's done. And you know, day one he was very sensible. Yesterday he had a, a really bad day. wasn't happy at all. And then today he bounced back after. When I say wasn't happy yesterday, he fell into a hole. There was dust. And he didn't see the hole and pull the front wheel off, for those people who didn't know that. And um, today he came back, and I mean, he was lying in fourth place for, I'd say, 98% of the rally. And in the last 10, 15 kilometers, yeah, he, he, he there, slowed yeah. down. And um, I forget who it was who came in fourth, about, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds ahead of him. So today's result for Fernando, first of all, was a great comeback from yesterday. But, you know, understand he's never driven anything like this previously. And to be running at, you know, four and a half minutes or five minutes behind Carlos Sainz at this point, you know, that's, that's a fantastic uh, job. I mean, he's looking, he, he believes that he can win one of the stages. You know, he need, maybe needs a little bit of luck, but he's, he could be quick enough by the end of the series to do that. I think this was the stage, Dux, to add to what you said that uh, Fernando has been waiting for. Up to this point, he's struggled to measure himself or to gauge where he's going to fit in compared to the competition. And I think he's, uh, just a smile on his face when he got out of the car today gave it all away. You know, now he knows that he can be competitive. He is on the pace. And I think that's exactly what he wanted to see. So I think uh, going forwards, he's just going to get quicker and quicker. And you know, the other thing is that because he's so far behind, having lost two and a half hours yesterday, he's got nothing to lose. So he's really got no pressure of an overall position. He's just got a day by day by day. So it's like 13 races. Yeah. And I think that helps psychologically as well. And he's got lots to gain. I mean, like you say, he's two hours 40 behind the lead, but he's still 16th. So uh, he can still very much finish in the top 10. Yes. Just having a look here. Were you aware of the, the penalty that Nasser suffered? Okay, well, let's just come through now. Uh, just I, I knew what, why he was supposed to get a penalty. Because he held up Carlos Sainz. Yes. From what, what I, I hear, I've been chatting to Valdi van der Waal, and I just had a look at the rankings now, and he was hit with a three-minute penalty. 
So that means that he drops down to fifth place as far as the day's rankings are concerned. But in the overall standings, he still does remain in second place. But of course, that means that uh, he does drop down quite a bit uh, from uh, the deficit between him and Carlos Sainz. So at the moment, the variation stands at 7 minutes 55 that he's behind Sainz and Cruz. Does that mean that means Alonso's in front of him? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, overall, no. As far as the Saints ranking, yeah, today. stage today, it does. It means that Fernando Alonso was Finish the best fourth. performing yeah. Zoo racing driver, coming in in fourth place alongside Mark Homer. Which means <laughs> if he starts the race tomorrow in fourth place as well. Remember that, yeah, because yes. you start where not the overall ranking, you start him on the stage times. So he'll start in fourth tomorrow. Which means that uh, Nasser will be flying tomorrow. He'll have some tracks to follow. And uh, starting from fourth, I'm pretty sure he will he will be on full attack tomorrow. And um, let's be let's be honest: at four or five hundred kilometres of these conditions, five minutes could could be nothing. I mean, that could be a deficit that Nasser can wipe out quite easily. So I was going to open up with uh, some sound from Nasser Latia, given the fact that he was the best performing from the day. But uh, given he was hit with that penalty, that's not the case. Fernando Alonso, the two-time Formula One champion, uh, alongside Mark Comer, five-time Dakar winner, uh, finishing fourth uh, for the day. And uh, I managed to catch up with Alonso straight after uh, he came through at the bivouac. Today everything was uh, very smooth. We had a uh, very good visibility. Um, we catch uh, the cars always in the right moment. Uh, they had a puncture, they had a problem, and then uh, we again had some, some clear uh, track in front of us. So, yeah, it was a beautiful stage also. Uh, the scenery and um, the things we, we went through were amazing, but uh, unfortunately we are very fast to, to enjoy that, uh, that view. But, uh, yeah, uh, happy with the day and, um, you know, Mark was uh, again spot on and very precise on the navigation, so happy day. Well, I try to, to enjoy, uh, you know, every second of, of the stage and as you said, I think today the places we, we went through, they were uh, just uh, uh, amazing, you know, to, to watch and uh, sometimes in some of the valleys I was saying to Mark, uh, look, look what we have him from. And he said, uh, head down, head down, you know, keep focused. You know, he, he was very focused on the navigation, but uh, uh, I, I didn't have to read the roadbook. So I had a little bit more time to enjoy the views and it was fantastic. Thank yeah, that was one of the hallmarks of today's stage. I think today was really when Saudi Arabia showed off its beauty. We had been impressed over the first two days, but today 400 Ks staying within Neom. But uh, the drivers did travel a fair distance. And uh, as mentioned, they got as close to the Jordanian border as possible. But they were really impressed with the scenery, as were we, Mario. Oh, some of the, the mountain passes, or not so much the mountain pass, but some of those mountains that we went through, it's almost like carvings. Um, and the fingers that stick out on the back. And the views were absolutely mind-boggling. I, I never thought that we'd see something like this, as beautiful as this in Saudi. Uh, and the contrast from desert to, to mountain and back to desert. And, and I mean, this morning when we drove up, we saw five degree temperatures on, on, on uh, outside. So, I mean, uh, and, some, and some frost on, on the sand. <laughs> it was absolutely stunning. Yeah, it was pretty cold. That's for sure. That's for sure. But was, yeah, absolutely. Some of the most spectacular scenery that I've seen anywhere in the world. And, you know, South America's got some beautiful mountains. 
but this was crystal clear. And yeah. I think it's because it was, and it's not that high as we were discussing earlier, but because of the cold, the sky was the most beautiful blue. And then these red mountains. I mean, we sound more like carto- not cartographers, geographers. What are the, what are the geologists? Geologists. Geologists. I get the word eventually. Okay. Um, yeah, just really a great day. And, and apparently, there's a lot more of this to come. Yeah, it's it's only getting it's only just beginning. We've uh, been assured, and and this is what the organisers sold us on, or, or sold the Dakar racing fraternity on, is the fact that Saudi Arabia very much untouched. There's yes. not much known about it. It's not renowned as a holiday destination, but you need to come and see this place because it will supply everything and anything, especially when it comes to rally. And, and Hannes, they've given given it to us in spades already. Well, they have, and um, I'm looking forward to the second week, which takes place in the Empty Quarter, which apparently is named the Empty Quarter for a reason, because there's nothing there. I'm looking forward to <laughs> spectacular scenery um, for more than just one reason, to obviously see how Janil and the boys get it done, but also to see if we can top the bride that we had today with a better view. Oh, gee, uh, that's going to take some doing. So you've already set the standard very, very high. It's going to be hard to top that, Hannes, but uh, the pressure is on. Speaking of Janiel and the boys, Janiel de Villiers uh, finishing is, uh, am I looking at the stage rankings? Yeah, coming in at ninth place today alongside Alex Harrow. And you made an interesting point yesterday, Hannes, with Alex, because Janiel was full of praise for Alex uh, following yesterday's stage where they went on to capture the stage. It was the first stage victory for Toyota Gazoo Racing this year. And Alex did a fine job, but the real test would have come today because they opened the road and it wasn't just a question of being able to follow tracks. They were making the tracks. Plus, there were a plethora of tracks there already. I mean, we encountered it while we were just driving and walking through the desert. Uh, there were tracks everywhere. So you had this crisscross of directions and, and, and uh, I, he did a fairly good job, but uh, they managed to crack the top 10, finishing in ninth position. And uh, they came in at 16 minutes uh, behind Carlos. Yeah, I think the time that they lost today is not uh, because of navigation or anything that Alex did. I mean, I know the two get on very well in the car. Alex did a good job. I think Janil might have been just a little bit too cautious, but we know that's his approach. And, and, and that often works for him. So I think um, he'll up the pace again tomorrow. We know that him and Alex get on very well. I mean, we've been there since the very beginning uh, in Namibia when they tested together. Their first race together in Morocco, of course, end of last year, they won. Uh, So I think it's a very good pairing. They do get on. Alex has been great. Today was just a matter of Janil taking it easy, knowing that there's big risk by opening the road, and he didn't want to take any uh, big risks. And I think he executed it not perfectly, maybe too cautious, but I'm sure he'll be back in the fight tomorrow. Yeah, I, I agree with you there completely. It's because of the unknown, uh, the unknown terrain, unknown road books and so on. Patience is going to pay off here. And um, he may not win from where he is at the present moment unless other people have a problem. But I tell you what, a top five or a top three finish is very, very possible. Well, he's currently sitting seventh overall. Bernard Tenbrinker and Tom Kalsul, uh, they have been reunited. The first time they're racing together for Toyota Zoo at Dakar. And uh, they finished uh, in 10th position for the day, 16 minutes and 43 seconds adrift of Carlos. Uh, Janil and Alex coming in ninth. Orlando Terranova, Bernardo Grau in 8th position. Over in 7th, we had Stefan Pederhansel and Paolo Fiuza, uh, Yassid Al-Raji and Konstantin Ziltsov coming in 6th. 
Fifth place, uh, as we now know, Nasser Latienne Matubo will be having dropped down because of that three-minute penalty we spoke about a little earlier. Fernando Alonso and Mark Comer coming in in fourth position. Yasir uh, Sedan and Kuzmich Alexi uh, in third place. Jakub Brzgonski. Just say that again, Derek. No, I'd that rather... <laughs> let, let's, let's hear it from you. <laughs> I don't have a name in front of me. I can't read it. <laughs> Yasir Sedan and Kuzmich Alexi. And uh, Jakub Brzgonski, Timo Golshok in second position and Carlos and Lucas Cruz, the Spanish pair, topping the timesheets for the day and the overall uh, section. Uh, they are they hold onto a seven-minute fifty-five-second lead over Nasser Alatia and Mathieu Bommel. I mentioned Bernard Tenbrunker uh, a little better with the tyres this time round, losing only two. And he said when they actually got uh, to uh, the neutralisation zone. Um, they, they managed to get a tire from Fernando Alonso. So, uh, very kind of Fernando. And <laughs> I was chatting to Tom Colson afterwards. And I said, hey, geez, your, your tires weren't too bad. And he goes, well, you still lost two. It's half of what we suffered yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's better going. Yeah, I think, I think uh, it's not only been a, a tire issue, not only with the Toyotas. Um, the four-wheel drive minis have had the same issues. I think the, the terrain has proved to be quite tough. Um, I would imagine, from what I understand, BF Goodridge is looking at, at um, a possible different type of tyre for nec- from next year. But uh, the buggies will definitely have an advantage. They've got much bigger, taller sidewalls. Um, the tyre construction is completely different. So I think the, um, the, the buggies have definitely had an advantage as far as punctures are concerned, um, which I hope not. But towards the end of this event, that may just pay the difference i think you're right and and the the thing is for those listeners out there this is not a puncture like we talk about punctures these yeah. are the sidewalls are being cut by yes. sharp stones yeah and as, as janil was saying to me this morning when i took him to the bivouac he said i don't even see the stones yeah and the next one i got a puncture and it's, it's you know a puncture the, the, the sidewalls being cut so that's where the the new tires i guess for next year they're going to make sure it's not it's not the tread or the yeah the cop, it's the sidewalls going to yes. be made so much stronger and, and and the other thing that that's happening is that what Janil has said in the past is under the sand there's a lot of a lot of rock too so that could also be shooting up absolutely you know so yeah. well that's exactly what happens and also keep in mind that tire pressures play a huge role yeah. in getting punctures or not getting punctures and of course the two-wheel drive minis can inflate and deflate on the fly for sure whereas the four-wheel drives have to decide before the time what tire pressures they're going to run at which also adds to getting more punctures so uh, that will definitely play yeah a role. they have to find a combination for uh, soft and hot terrain right in the beginning of the stage because the moment that you stop and have to deflate or inflate, you're losing a bucket full mm-hmm. of time. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, what of about Seda Hansel? No, I mean, Carlos Sainz is the guide. Well, how, what's he, 55, 56 years age? Uh, yeah, Hannes Sald is Carlos. Yeah, I think Carlos, he could be 57 already, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, one, it's one of those ages. I mean, doing a fantastic job. Uh, Peter Hansel, of course, is the guy always who never bothers to really go too quickly in the beginning. Um, he also had a, a bunch of punctures. What day one, day two? I can't remember. Uh, day one, day one. He like, had like everyone else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know, don't don't write him off either. Oh, you can never write off Stephen <laughs> And and remember, Ben brought this up the other night in that he was originally supposed to be driving alongside his wife, and his wife got ill, yes. and as a result, he got a new navigator. And because of that, for the first time ever, he's taking instructions in English. Okay. Which by, a, is, by a porter. 
Yeah. By and a countryman of mine. Yeah, it's, it's not the speeding pourer known as Mario D'Souza. It's uh, his other man. Uh, it is a Paolo Fiuso. Um He is the man's co-driver. And yeah, for once, because uh, Stefan doesn't uh, speak Portuguese and because uh, Paolo doesn't speak French, uh, they've resorted to English. And where, where did his old co-driver go? Or did he retire? Hannes, uh, do you have oh, an idea? Jean-Paul Cotre used to be his co-driver for many years. For yeah. some reason, they did not do the Dakar together last year. They already split before then. Oh. And uh, since then, uh, Stefan's been driving with his wife. First in a side-by-side, and then Andrea, his wife, who's German, who can speak French, uh, joined him in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the top-class buggy at the end of last year. But I think something went wrong, and she wasn't able to make this race. Yeah, she got uh, ill at the last minute. So, Hemsai Apollo stood into the breach and uh, doing a very good job considering what's happened. And uh, they're currently lying seventh overall. Uh, I mentioned Janil uh, lying. Was this the stage? No, sorry, I'm still looking at uh, the stage one. Uh, he's seventh now. Stefan is fifth and Janil is seventh. Speaking of Janil, let's uh, hear from the South African. This is uh, what he had to say the second he got back into the bivouac. Uh, was uh, was okay. It was a beautiful stage. Uh, in the middle, it was really, really stunning scenery. Um, obviously, we opened today, so it was a bit uh, tricky. Um, you know, we lost some time, uh, but for sure, Nasser and Carlos were really, really fast today. Um, um, but you know, once they they passed me at about uh, kilometer three hundred, and from there, I just followed them. So it was easy to follow them. Uh, then once we were behind, you know, so. Uh, it is, um, uh, we had a good day otherwise, you know, no problem with a car, anything like that. So uh, we'll see, still a long way to go. Talk us through the difficulty between following and leading. Uh, I mean, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah, no, look, to open the stage, you know, you've got some places you've got bike tracks going in all directions and uh, you've got to make sure that you take the right one. And every time that takes just a few uh, seconds, you know, 10, 15 seconds every time. And, um, you know, you, you quickly, quickly, quickly lose... Uh, five to ten minutes uh, easy um, but you know I think this Dakar ten minutes is like uh, a minute in, in other Dakar so uh, not too stressed about that. Change of terrain of course the first two days a lot of punctures suffered by everyone uh, doesn't seem to be the case too much today? No there were lots of rocks today uh, plenty of rocks uh, I had to give Yazid a tyre because he ran out of tyre so um, well, there were still some punctures around. And how did you guys handle the terrain? No, we just we, we didn't have a puncture, so uh, it was good for us. And uh, finally, you were very complimentary yesterday about Alex. Uh, same story today. Uh, you mentioned the multiple tracks. We got to see it firsthand. Um, how was that trying to navigate through all of that? No, no, Alex did a great job again today, you know. It's really tricky in some places. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes there's a bit of doubt, but um, you've just got to trust in yourself and trust that you... Uh, if you follow the right cap, that um, you know that's that's correct. Uh, especially if you see bikes coming back and going in all directions, it's it's really difficult. But um, no, I did a great job again. Early twenties uh, in terms of off the leader, Carlos Sainz, uh, but still plenty of racing left in this Dakar. Yeah, no, plenty. Like I said, you know, ten minutes here is like a minute in other races. So anything's possible. It's a long way to go. So lovely thoughts there from the Boyke from Stellenbosch as we head into stage four of the Dakar Rally. Do you know a little bit about this, Hannes? Uh, we are traveling quite a bit tomorrow. It's a big drive uh, as we head over to Al-Ula. Well, our colleagues looking for um, information on the stage tomorrow. Also today there was a massive accident by Al-Kasimi. Um, just be, in fact, just, be, just ahead uh, of, of, of Janil in the dust of um, NASA, 
he didn't see a, apparently quite a big rock and he hit it and went launched the car launched the car yeah Janil's words were, were that from where he was he could actually see the car come out of the dust while it was busy, busy rolling so it was a proper accident I, I think we got the footage have you seen it Dax? I have seen it yeah I'm busy watching it now Jeez, uh, he managed to come out Relatively unscathed, am yeah, I correct? Yes. I, I saw them rebuilding the car. You know, the pictures that you see of these cars look terrible because all the bodywork comes off. But the bodywork's just fiberglass covering. It's going to fly off anyway. It's, yeah. if, it's if the chassis is bent or damaged in any way. Well, and, and I saw them working on the car. too, yeah. So, you know, uh, hopefully uh, that, that's all going to be back together for tomorrow morning. <laughs> that would be, be absolutely unbelievable. So That'd Hannes be. has managed to, to find out details on tomorrow's yeah, stage. Did, yeah. and, and it's integral that he knows because he's a guy that leads the way in between stages while yeah. he's not doing the rally himself are or, we covering the same if not bright. more distances yeah, or making, or making bright. Bright. <laughs> well so tomorrow we as the assistance crew we've got about 500 kilometers to go which isn't too bad at all pretty average Dakar day we head east again from uh, Neom uh, and then halfway through we will turn south to Al Ula so the competitors will have a total, um, let me just double check here, of 672 kilometers to cover tomorrow, of which 453 will be against the clock. I've also got a graphic here in front of me telling me what the surface will consist of. It's 23% sand, 45% soil, 0% dunes, so uh, we'll only get into the dunes in a couple of days from now, and 14% stones. Mm. So this is more rally type roads again. Yeah, I think there's a, a defined, they call it piste or whatever, so it's not quite off-piste, it's piste, so it means there is a more or less a defined track or, or, or a, a sort of a, a road in most sections that they can follow in between the mountains and so on. Um, so yeah, it seems like a sandy road with lots of rocks in it, so, yeah, so I expect more punctures. Punctures, yeah, I was going to say punctures are probably um, something to be careful of, and maybe the guys are going to be, probably tonight they would have chosen the harder type tire to go with. Can I just put this into perspective again? 453 kilometers. It means basically driving from Johannesburg all the way almost to Pietermaritzburg on uh, rocky mountain sandy road uh, at full speeds in these V8 powered cars. It's actually damn crazy. And then once they finish that successfully, they can do it all over again for another 10 days. And what's the, li the liaison bit? The liaison uh, bit is, liaison is 219. Okay. 219 so, is liaison. So if you're going down to Durban, you basically cruise from Johannesburg to Harry Smith or thereabouts. Mm. And then, then you race to Margate. Then you race to Margate. <laughs> 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 I mean, how crazy is that? Okay, now that's the, those are the cars. The bikes do the same thing. These guys are on their own, on yeah. the pegs the whole time. Right? Yeah. Those are the people that you look at and you just say, it's, it's almost superhuman to they, see the bike riders doing what they're doing. Yeah, the, the official blurb on the Dakar website regarding stage four writes as this, on the agenda this day, you'll find equal parts sandy stretches and gravel sections, mostly on tracks. However, do not confuse speed with precipitation as the arduous navigation will require some clear choices. History bus will be keen to get their cameras out as they pass close to Nabatian temples. That's something to, to pop into tomorrow, Dax. I'd love to. I'd oh. love to. Yeah, we can just get up a little earlier and go there on the way to where so, we're going so, to. Yeah, so maybe... Maybe, uh, well, I'm going to take uh, the drivers to Bivouac at 7 o'clock in the morning. So you're ready to go? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> then we have a briar at these temples. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe yeah, not, not close by, but we can see them in the distance uh, while we have a briar. Uh, am I correct in that the team principal didn't have a lift today because of you, Dax? Well, that's what he, 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 that's what he, he says. <laughs> 
It's not true. I mean, well, it is true. In fact, uh, on the on the basis that he never left the bivouac, <laughs> is that a bit of contradiction? Not, there, he did not tell me to fetch him. That's the point. So then he phones me an hour and a half later. Said, "Where are you? I'm waiting at the entrance." I said, but Glenn, by this stage we are 90 kilometers away." And I said, "But you never told me to to, to collect." You said, "But you said we'd we'd hook up today." I said, "Sure." I mean, I'm always there in the afternoon, so I'm going to get there three o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't expect you to be picked up at seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> so he spent the entire day in the bivouac on his own because the car that he's using was taken by somebody else. Anyway, he sent it some emails. Okay, so you'll be dropping them off early tomorrow morning, not Glenn, but uh, Janiel. Please make sure he gets there. Though. It's integral yeah. that, that he gets to his car. Glenn, not so much. But uh, ask him, he also got a little, a very special present today. Yeah, he did. Oh, that looked fancy. <laughs> yeah, for the other people who have seen any pictures of Fernando in the last, what, three years, he always wears that Kamoa cap, and he gave me one of his Kamoa caps, his Kamoa Dakar cap, and it doesn't have a flat peak. It's got a round peak like a normal peak. Because I told him the last time I saw him, I said, I don't like your flat peaks. So he brought me one with a round peak now. It is a beautiful cap. We actually need to put a picture on the podcast because it's, it's a nice cap as is. But then, as you mentioned, the Dakar side of things, you've got tiny little Dakar logos, which you can only see from up close. So yes, it, yes. it's proper quality. And, and I can't wait for you to give it to me. It's really going to be nice. I, I think, I think, <laughs> I think uh, Daxas are going to have to really lock this cap away because it may just disappear and he's not going to know who who took so, it. So, <laughs> so when, when Dux got the cap, yeah. he wanted to get rid of the cap that he was wearing, but yeah. not get rid of it, just not have it on him because yeah. that would have sweetened the deal to go to Fernando and say, hey, look, I'm without cap. Yeah. So he gave me his cap to hold on to. Then I did an interview with Tom Colsoul who needed a cap to run camera. He grabbed the cap that I was holding, which was Dux's, and then I completely forgot about it. Dux came to me, where's my cap, while he was wearing this very fancy cap. <laughs> and to point him the way of Tom Colsoul. So suddenly from zero, he had... This beautiful one, another one that he had just got from a navigator. So uh, yeah. it, was a, it was a good day for Dax. That was on top of uh, leaving the team principal uh, out in the cold. Um, okay, that just about wraps it up. One of the things that we have been doing to, to pass the time in our car, I don't know so much about your side, Mario, is uh, playing pub quizzes, which we've been doing absolutely nonstop over the last three or four years. I've got a hefty book full of questions. So I thought we can finish off this episode uh, oh, by goodness, throwing go. out a, a couple of questions to you, gents. So... Uh, let's start off with this. Uh, I know Ducks absolutely loves his quizzes. Uh, Hannes, <laughs> as well. Mario, you, uh, the, the debate's still out. Which ancestor of Noah is also the name of an oversized champagne bottle that holds six liters? Oh, my goodness. Magnum. No, it's not. It's a Jeroboam. Jeroboam. No, no. Zero from two. Any of you, gents? I don't drink champagne. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no brandy. Yeah, yeah you're certainly not going to drink any here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pass on that one. Methuselah. Oh, okay. of course, yes. Okay, so that one. I'm going to do five questions. Five. Oh, which <laughs> Apollo <laughs> 11 astronaut did not set foot on the moon? Collins. Collins. Um, first Michael, name? Michael Collins. Michael Collins. Okay. Oh. One to Hannes. Liverpool's signature song, You'll Never Walk Alone, stems from which musical? This is a good one. Jeepers. My wife would Th- know that. Think of a... Is that that round ball nonsense game? That yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't know. Yeah, but, but think of a casino in Gauteng. Impress. No. <laughs> Monty Casino. No. <laughs> Come on. I haven't got the vaguest idea. Carousel. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, the yeah. movie yeah. Carousel. Yeah. Music. Okay. Which cocktail named after City was invented by the Raffles Hotel barkeeper 
Ingyam Tong <laughs> I got in first. I got, got in first. first. I got there first. I'll give it to Dark Buyer Wesker. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Okay. Spats Columbo is a bad guy in which popular black and white film? Who? Um, Spats Columbo. It's going to be a mafia movie. No. Think of Marilyn Monroe. And I think Jack Lemon. Oh, of course, yes. Um, some like it hot. There we go. Ducks oh, takes God. it by landslide. Ducks, you were old when that movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and no you know what? You know it so well. <laughs> it's such a good thing that you won because the prize was going to be that Alonzo cap. <laughs> Unbeknownst so you to you. To keep it. So you managed to get to keep it. Gents, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you over in stage four. Absolutely. We look forward to it. I uh, just want to quickly say something about Ross Branch, of course, our buddy from oh, Botswana, who yes. yesterday won the stage today, didn't go all his way. Ross had a bit of an off early on. Um, we spoke to him afterwards while he was getting a sonar on his shoulder and so on. I really sincerely hope that Ross gets back on his bike and that he can still come back and, and, and do something magic. Well, that about wraps it up. Yeah, thoughts with you, uh, Ross Branch, and congratulations once again on a stellar performance uh, in Stage 2. Cheers, gents. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game. Brought to you by Radar Media.